0: Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle On Brave podcast, a podcast focusing on all things pro soccer and the DMV and across the United States. My name is Jose Mañya, sports writer for the Sports Post, and joining me as always is our co host, Mario Maya from Tipo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing excellent. You know, I'm ball tuckered out from not only just soccer, but sports in general this weekend.
0: Yeah, we'll get into uh, how DC United finished off its week of. Three matches in seven days in a second. We'll start off with what's been going on throughout the week in the National Women's Soccer League, who suspended all their weekend matches amid allegations of sexual abuse by a former coach. Uh, The North Carolina Courage has fired head coach Paul Riley following reports that he sexually coerced multiple players, according to The Athletic, in a very large piece. I do recommend that all of you check it out. According to The Athletic, Sinead Farley and Meliana Shim, who both played for Farley at different times from 2010 to 2015, were sexually coerced into multiple situations with Riley. The Athletic did have Riley attempt to respond, and I say attempt because he denied all allegations and said he's never had sex or made sexual advances towards players. Following the publication of the story, Riley was fired by the Courage and his coaching license was suspended by U.S. Soccer. On Friday, the commissioner of the league, Lisa Baird, and general counsel uh, Lisa Levine were both removed from their positions by the board of directors. It is unknown yet at this time, who take over either role. The publication of the story and the revelations since have caused other reverberations throughout the league where Oil Rain as well as Rasting Louisville have made similar uh, removals from positions of power due to other allegations that are coming out and coming forward. This all stems from the original allegation that started it all here in Washington with Richie Burke accused of verbal tirades among players and mistreatment of players. Mario, what are your thoughts on everything that's just transpired in this league and that it got to the point where the players have protested and we have a week of no matches in the NWSL because of everything
1: that's going on? So, pardon my French when I say the following. What the fuck is going on in the NWSL? I first read the story from Meg Linehan and Katie Strang on Thursday with the two allegations from Sade Farley and um, Mina Shim, or Manishim, sorry, Meliana Manishim and their allegations against Paul Riley. And I think I speak for everybody what I said. I was really, really disgusted with what I read and also just like really mind blown by everything that went on to the point that it cost or essentially in, in this report, like Farley got manipulated out of a spot to go to the World Cup in 2011 for the U.S. women's national team. And just everything that happened to them and how this affected them, uh, I think is the what I think is a damning testimony throughout all of this. But it also just unlocked a whole Pandora's box of like systemic problems, it looks like within the front offices of the NWSL. And honestly, I just got it. I just have to say, like, dude. Did, actually you know what Here you go What I actually want to say is This is the main importance of having an HR department In any kind of profession that you work in Because it could not Not say that it will avoid these kinds of issues But it will set the boundaries of gu- And guidelines And keep you kind of walking in the straight and narrow
0: I, I For those who haven't read the piece I recommend reading the piece But then afterwards Going to listen to Meg Ligahan's podcast Where they kind of dissect the reporting and kind of give you, you know, what were the building blocks into bringing this report. And I think the one thing that is clear, which you mentioned, is the systematic and institutional oppression of these players, <clears throat> the, the mindset that this league or any women's league could just disappear off of the face of the earth if with any allegation that comes out and I feel that that's unfair pressure for any of these players to feel and you read it in the piece where the players feel they should say something, but they fear that this could end their careers. This could negatively influence, as you mentioned, uh, possibilities to make the national team. Um, And I think that that, I think that people reading this who are new to the sport or haven't kept up with it. Shoot. I keep up with it. You know, I've covered the spirit for the last two years and, and even I was caught flat footed by not just this story and all the other reporting, but just the culture, you know, you see the culture of women's soccer improving around the world, but then you still see it struggling in other spots and other places. You and I were discussing the problems over with the Salvadorian women's soccer league, and the women's feder the women's national team, and their problems with an oppressive coach, ironically enough. So you you have those situations happening worldwide, and yet they're not getting the attention of this. I think that this is getting attention because a of the stature of the league worldwide, it's considered the best league in the world, and for the best league in the world to have this much scandal, and to essentially give the pressure of well, if you say something, you may ruin the league. I think that's oppressive to the players. And I think the players have had enough. The players have been dealing with so much from the pandemic to the low salaries that they're getting. Remember, there is a CBA attempting to be negotiated currently um, with the Players Union, as with the NWSL, so... Keep that in mind going forward if more things start coming out. Because the very first story that quietly set everything off was the Players Union rep uh, telling the Washington Post that the main priority was safety for the players. We all, did, I feel like that story doesn't get its due because it really sets up what ends up happening for the last month. This has been a month of insanity. If you've been covering this league ever in your life, Um, Just how much has happened within the past week. You have oh Reign, as we mentioned earlier, uh, their head coach was asked to resign after multiple complaints for inappropriate comments. Now you have FIFA. Of all the leagues, FIFA set out to investigate um, the league for everything that's going on. You have a new GM coming into the league from Europe going to setting up to shop with the um with Angel City and she's like this is oppressive this is against everything that we believe in and she's supporting the union <laughs> like you know you rarely get that from someone within the offices of a team saying i support the union and what they're trying to do so this has been a cultural issue that based on everything that now i've learned and i'm blessed to like i said i i recommend if you don't have an athletic subscription and your friend does see if they give you a pass for the week just to go read it i think read the story listen to meg's podcast this has been you know sh- this is not the first time do you, does everybody remember magic jack
1: <laughs> so, Man, so. and weirdly enough mentioned in the story and it's only mentioned a snippet magic the magic jack owner you know the guy that took the spirit of the washington freedom second iteration out of washington and moved it to what florida part of, to florida don't remember what part and called him magic jack wanted all his players to call him daddy
0: If there's one thing I feel that everybody can get out of this is this. And I hope that, I don't think any player listens to our podcast, but if they were, you know, the NWSL did set up a, (laughs) this is what got Lisa Baird fired from her role as commissioner. The league did set up an anti-harassment policy, uh, thanks in large part to uh, Alice Morgan, and these two players coming forward and saying, "Hey, you need to protect players." And then when it, once it was set up, these two players came to the league and say, "Hey, Paul Riley did this to us. You did an investigation, but he's still working. What happened?" And essentially, what ended up happening is that the league tried to bury it. Said, "You know, it, it's done. We can't do anything else." And if I'm those, I see why those players felt like he needed to say something you don't want that yes, to you
1: got you got gypped you feel you felt like lisa bard baird. and oddly enough alex morgan in a series of tweets lisa baird thank you uh, my apologies lisa baird put out a statement on twitter via the via the league's twitter obviously and alex morgan put out a series of two emails that Sine- uh, sinead farley had sent to baird in the month of April, and not when it happened, the month of April of the year of our Lord and Savior, twenty twenty one. Imagine that, and the the inaction that they took. This was about six years when Manishim also put out her complaint to the league, and they didn't do much. So
0: Shim with um Morgan get together to put days after the season ends and they go to Paulson they were considering renewing but after they do an investigation they don't renew and they said they won't be doing business with, with Riley after that and the athletic confirmed it's because of what was found in that investigation what these two players have been trying to do is find out what was in the investigation that you found. Is it through believing us or did you find something else? And that's essentially what these players want, is they want they want the truth to be out there. These players want – that's why they came to The Athletic and told their story. They don't want another player to be fall victim to this. And so the fact that he was able to basically – not get his contract renewed because of this, but was still able to work in the league, it goes back to what this league has always had a problem with, and that's transparency. You know, you cover the league. How many times have we been asking what's going on in terms of when the schedule is coming out? What's going on with these COVID cases? What's going on? How can we can't go to practice? We can't even sometimes get simple attendance numbers for games. We're guessing that 5,000 people went to Audi Field matches. We're guessing that less than 3,000 went to go Sagra. to Sagra Field. Like We're guessing because the, the, the teams aren't sharing, the teams are hiding, and, and they hide almost everything. As we learned from the Richie Burke situation, In some cases, there's a separation between church and state, between the team and the front office, because no one wants to be transparent. And that's the problem. For the NWSL Excel in the future moving forward, they have to learn not just from their predecessors and other women's soccer leagues. They need to just learn what other leagues are doing. There is... Open communication with their fans There's open communication With the media Yeah you keep certain things in house But heck I don't mind when Hernan Losada Doesn't want to tell you Who's healthy and who's not What I do mind though Is these integral parts Why did you trade such and such Why did you trade such and such It was reported This last week That the spirit owner would have rage trades. He thought a player would the club for some reason or another, and he would trade. And it goes back. Now fans can't help but look at the trade that they did for um, – her name escapes me right now. <laughs> but they can't help but look at certain trades and go, so you rage traded her? You rage traded her? Like what's going on? And so – you have that come out to light. You have this come out to light. Why are you protesting coaches that at times aren't even good? And why? You're the most successful women's soccer league to date. How about you keep it going? Let go of people that are not good at their jobs. Pi Riley, yes, he's a good coach. But if he's out here abusing your players, your workforce, you can't have that. You just can't have that at all. And why have a policy that you're not going to follow? I feel like whoever's in charge going forward, that's going to have to be the first move, is rebuilding transparency of your product, not just to your players, but to your fans, as well as, The media, because right now this is the most attention the league has ever gotten and it's the most attention for a negative thing. You better spin this to a positive and the best way you do that is being transparent going
1: forward. Right. And also the fact that you got FIFA involved and this is what I weirdly enough texted Jose and I quote FIFA, a nonprofit in air quotes that awarded a country with a horrible human rights track record a World Cup, whose former president said women should wear shorter shorts to attract more viewer, viewers, is investigating you for a scandal? That was not in my bingo card tonight. And you have FIFA, who that, with that being said. FIFA has a sketchy past, and they're telling you, yo, we're investigating because essentially your league is wilding out. You like like the kids say you done messed up. You done messed up here because you weren't keeping things transparent, and you were hiring guy, guys who may have stellar stellar reputations on the field, but off the field have less than – have been more than questionable paths all for abuse for abuse in some form or another. So for me. And I think I go back to what you said. Yeah, we have issues with transparency, just covering regular get doing gamers, because we don't know how many me- how many people uh, what the attendance numbers look like. They never tell you that, so we gotta get we gotta guess. And and the fact that not that a lot of this is coming out to light in ways that should that in in some way or another just speaks to a they've been doing there's a lot of wrongdoing towards your employees towards your players for some time now and b the, this may be a wake-up call yeah you're getting attention but you're not getting the good kind of attention how do you spin this into a positive be more transparent i guess now hire an hrt that can handle these sorts of situations that handles complaints like these and b i think you got to go through i'm sorry c You gotta go through, I guess, a much more deeper vetting process. I'm not saying, you know, go through everything, but you kinda have to like do your thorough research when when hiring a head coach. And that and and that to me, I think would be the most important part. Not only not only would it put you at ease, like you're making the right hire, but it also shows that the player that you have the player's safety. uh, Safety and health, both physical and mental health, in mind when come when actually making such a hire.
0: The league needs to improve transparency amongst itself as well. You know, if I know that Portland Thorns didn't resign Paul Riley because of sexual coercion allegations, I'm not going to resign him. I'm not going to sign him to my club. Why would I sign him to my club? Like that's what I'm saying. You know, like in the NFL, we, we talk, you know, Greg Hardy's the best example. When he um, allegedly hurt who was then at the time his girlfriend, um, the whole league knew because of the media attention, yes. But in the league, I remember clearly when the Cowboys signed Greg Hardy, they said, yes, we spoke to Carolina and we spoke to the league. We spoke to prosecutors. He still is going to go to this court date. But we're signing him. But we've done our due diligence. Yeah, did people want him to be signed? No, because they believe this that you know that the the he didn't meet he didn't full pay his penance for what he allegedly did. But in terms of making your due diligence, the Cowboys did that. Whereas here, it's clear that. Western New York at the time, and now North Carolina, and North Carolina Courage, saw what we see in soccer all the time in Europe: a good co- co- coach in the market, and you need one. So, what do you do? You pick them up, and that's what ended up happening here. Um, and heck, and the WPS when this originally started in Philadelphia, it essentially happened there. And then when the league dissolved and it turned into a the semi pro league, it happened there too. No one was open enough to say it, you know. And so I think that the league needs to practice transparency among itself. And again, I'm gonna say this, and I don't think it's being glaring enough to people in this country because we're just happy that we have the best national team in the world. The reality is this league won't die because the players won't allow it to die and there are so many new players coming up now we the league is ten years old um close to eleven. It's not going to die and this mentality that at any moment the league could die is pretty ridiculous, considering that you just fought, just got your freedom from u s soccer. You asked U.S. Soccer to let let it be free. You now have the opportunity to make it a financial venture of success. That's supposedly what you wanted. You wanted to get out of the hamstrings of the the Mexican Federation and U.S. Soccer. You got that. Now you need to do what all the other leagues do. They're transparent about their player movement. They are transparent about cases going on among the leagues. You know, as much as I know, things that happen negatively around MLS players and teams. We know, and the clubs are ready with statements and comments. This should catch you flat-footed. And then too many times in these things, the NWSL is called flat-footed and they're reactionary. They need to be more proactive if it means hiring people from within MLS because MLS is taking all the good employees recently, Uh See DC United for more information. And they're taking a lot of the the good employees that work at these NWSL teams that would, would help an NWSL team not just with PR, but help with regular, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Helping with the players if they're going through some things like HR problems with their coaches. So I think... For the NWSL to excel, to excel out of this, they need to learn from their own mistakes and need to be honest with themselves and they need to be transparent among themselves. If I know we're the same company, but you share a store and I share a store in the same company, you send me an employee, before you send me that employee, I want to see that record. That happens in rec- everyday life. Why can't that happen at the NWSL level? You're, You're the the most powerful supposedly the most powerful women's soccer league in the world it's pretty ridiculous that's why fifa's looking at them to be honest with you i know off the record we spoke about this made the world cup look interesting because the a player being banned for playing the world cup but to be honest with you it's more about along the lines of just that common level of respect like why do, why isn't there no intercommunication within clubs to make sure this doesn't happen? That's the biggest problem. So transparency going forward with this league needs to be the forefront.
1: Right. And also, I think when it, when it comes to not only transparency to be taken seriously, you should do, you should do your due diligence. Also, the fact that in the story, Riley was telling, I think it was Farley saying we're going to take this to our graves says says a lot of what was going on and I guess the mental abuse aspect of this whole situation, meaning that he wielded some kind of power over these players. And that's something that that should be considered unacceptable in, in a lot of ways because no regular coach should do that. There's a lot of red flags in this article, really. So at the end, at the end, I think that yeah, this is a wake up call for NWSL. You should look at you should be looking forward and okay, how can we prevent scandals like these to never happen again? And I guess it would just all start by doing something as simple as each team and the league itself have uh, uh, coming up with a HR department. That that, uh, that kind of handles these kinds of things.
0: Well, yeah, less than to... the HR department, but more along the lines of does your HR department, is it adequate enough to answer these questions? Is it going to follow the current new abuse policy? I think that's – because you could have an HR department and be completely inept or just only focus on payday. Is your HR department prepared or qualified enough to answer and follow these protocols? And is the NWSL perfectly qualified enough to follow its own
1: protocols? Right. And I think at the end of the day, it just it's just a black eye on the NWSL altogether. There's no there is there's no way to sugarcoat this. Everybody involved in this story that isn't the players that are that had a position of power, and again, pardon my French when I said this, y'all fucked up. Y'all, y'all messed up big time when it came to handling the complaints. I don't know how it, how the complaints were handled internally. Clearly, they weren't handled that well. If we're coming out with a story now, with the story now, giving the two accounts of both of these players that that tell that were the victims of of coercion and harassment, above coercion by Paul by uh, Riley. So at the end of the day, the less of a learning lesson, if you will, if you well, actually it is a learning lesson for anybody that's coming into these positions with the NWSL, but more of a wake-up call to kind of change the way the way things operate within the league.
0: I guess I'll end it with this. I think the players, you know, you know, Godspeed to the two players that were willing enough to say what happened to them, to share their story as Morgan, she's getting credit. But, I mean, I feel like shout out to her for being a leader. You know, we talk about the on-field stuff a lot, but off the field, she clearly was a safe person, a, a, a person of power and confidence that, you know, you you hope that a star player would be you know when you see those cha- those leader types you hope that they take off that fame and that power and use the power for good and in this case that's what she did she she really was helpful for both players to essentially get them out of a tough situation and you know we had one has to condemn her for that and, and thank her for that and you hope that going forward you know the league learns that safety, player safety is important. These players should, you know, yeah, we talk a lot. When you'll you hear us talk about, oh, MLS players, they need, you know, charter flights, better hotels, better pay. These women, all they're asking for mm-hmm. is, can you make sure I can do my job in safe?
1: Can, can I, safe I do my jo- can I do my job in a safe environment where I don't feel harassed? of a person that's coaching me
0: yeah like the fans thing that's why you hire security but can my immediate supervisor can he be or she can they be trustworthy people that can be trusted enough that they're not abusers they're not going to abuse their power that's what these players are asking for again reading material for the week not just the athletic piece but the story that started this off very quietly what the players union is asking for with the cba player safety on the washington post this we'll continue to keep an eye on this story but it's (laughs) to say the least this is going to continue all we have a, a load of games that we're gonna have to reschedule. This is gonna be fun. I guess everyone could just forfeit and get zero points this week. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> they kind of make the spirit do that, so we'll keep an eye on it.
1: Oh, man, this this situation's only gonna get more interesting to say it, to to put it lightly.
0: Yes, uh, but moving, we're gonna try undel delicately move on. Two other topics throughout the day, and that is um, DC United, and they play three matches in seven days. We covered the one on Sunday, uh, where Saturday. they on Saturday, excuse me, where they won at home. This past Wednesday, they also get they earned their tenth victory at home, beating Chicago. I believe it was Chicago. It feels like a
1: while ago. <laughs> it was, it was Minnesota United.
0: They beat Minnesota three one, correct?
1: Three <laughs> one.
0: Uh, <laughs> the memory is light on my head on this because it was so long ago, but that's because this Saturday DC United took on who could be a potential opponent in the playoffs, and that is Orlando City. Uh, late, late, late stoppage tie winner by Daryl DK um to get Orlando the away w- the home victory for them United uh losing away at Orlando two to one so in three matches United collects six points Mario what are your thoughts overall on DC United's performances in these three matches and I know you want to talk about it what happened in Orlando?
1: boy so it started off great julian gressel decided to go hey we are going to banger city here in orlando and scored probably one of the best goals of the week i swear to god mls fans if this doesn't win mls goal of the week we gonna have a real conversation uh orlando was shook for about five minutes but finally they got their bearings within the game and scored off the set piece um it would i'm for blinking on the name of who scored the goal right now but it was off a, a header was saved by bill hamid but unfortunately the rebound was laid there and the orlando player in question again blinking on the name at the moment put the ball in the back of the net on the rebound andy nohar was the one that totally should have been on the mark on on his mark but he he, uh, he! froze for a second and just allow allowed Orlando to tie the game. It was a really good game. It was a game that was fought really hard in the middle. D.C. United, again, had really created good opportunities in the second half to score, same as Orlando. Uh, if you watched at the end of the game, there, they gave them six minutes uh, of stoppage time and in a la- towards the end there was a corner where a lot of DC United players and an Sada kind of protested saying that it was a blast bounced off an Orlando player but at the end somebody the uh, referee gave the corner kick and off the corner Daryl DK scores the game winning goal beating Donovan Pines and Grosso Knauss in the air puts it bats Bill Hamid to the delirium of everybody in Explorer Stadium and also Kind of disrespectful. Daryl DK celebrated, which AIDS on, but you know that, that that's either near or there. At the end, they dropped the points after two great homestands where they beat Cincinnati 4 2. And if you watch the Minnesota game, they beat Minnesota 3 1. They were dominant. Ola Kabara scored his 16th goal of the season via penalty, also, missed the first penalty of the season for DC United. And Junior Moreno had scored his first goal. But overall, I think the team played well. But at the end of the day, I think Fatigue played a number on them because they played so many games in a span of a week.
0: So you go through that whole introduction and basically say what at the press conference was said, we're fine with it because that's what this league is. I love that. Anywho, it was Robin <laughs> Jansen uh, who scored
1: the time. Thank, goal. thank you. But yeah, no it, worries.
0: Uh, it's just we have to look at the week as a whole. United started the week off in sixth place, teetering the seventh. Now midweek they were all the way up to third, now they're in fourth. We're starting to see what everybody the world is slowly starting to see what DC United, what the fans were hoping where Hernan Losada year two would be, and that is contending for one of the top three playoff spots. And that is exciting. I think with the Minnesota match, we saw a lot of what we were hoping when they traded for Julian of someone who would provide in the attack, be more box-to-box, but he's playing that in this more winger-type role that does allow him to be more box-to-box because they rely so much on Andy Nahar running up and down the wing. I mean, well, I think he's having a renaissance year Himself. And I think that deserves credit, especially the way he played against Minnesota. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this week he had a banger. I thought overall, I thought DC9 played well. I think they understood going in Orlando was going to be a pretty game. They stopped Nani once again. I think he, he just can't play. I don't know if it's something the DC9 defense is doing well, you know. But there is one thing, and I'm glad that Steve Burnbaum mentioned it. It was, the end Hernando Sada is the set pieces defending has been lacking the last couple of matches. So, and you could see it with the two goals that he conceded one. It was, I think you said it was Andy. I think the whole defense will surely should have been paying attention more and marking in that first goal. Like he was clearly by himself. He beat the offsides real easily. Um, and then in the corner,
1: I was jealous by how how well he beat the off, how well he beat the offsides.
0: Now I do agree. Um, so I agree and disagree with the six minutes of stoppage time. It was probably going to be only four or five minutes until uh, Nigel Roberta went down on the ground at the 82nd minute and would not get up at all because he shanked the shot over the crossbar and was trying to kill as much clock as possible. because he First,
1: first off, he tried to say that was a penalty. If anybody's watched the replay of him shanking that shot, air touched him. He, it wasn't a penalty at all. So there, there's that. But I, I was just like, why are you milking this much time after you shanked the shot? Like, come on, man.
0: Well, also, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was. I think that's what ended up making it six minutes. Like, I think everybody was fine with it being four and five, but then, I mean, four minutes at the most. But then when he shanked it and then took forever to get up, took forever to get off the field, there was a point where they were making substitutions. He also entered the pitch and had to be asked to get back off the pitch because. They were saying, "Hey, dude, we didn't clear you. We cleared the subs to come in and out. Like that's where the six minutes came. The first corner goes out. I kind of agree with C. Bomb. It came off a Orlando def- uh, uh, attacker, but whatever. Um, <laughs> they got another corner. The defense still should have been able to clear that. I don't understand why none of our big tall defenders, all of them, feel like they're over six foot two. Um, none of them." or marking Daryl D.K. out. That's a man that should never be that open or be able to find clearance. I know you had mentioned uh, Bill Hamid should have jumped, but Daryl D.K. hit that so perfect with enough height to trick Bill Hamid that it was going over the bar, that when it came down, there was just nothing he could do. There was nothing Bill could do, and he was playing a good game overall. I... Maybe you set up, and I am a stickler for this, maybe you play zonal marking on just the bars and everybody else has to go man-to-man. You just keep a defender on each goalpost, honestly, just in case. Because I feel that if they had a defender on that goalpost, the ball would have been cleared. But let's be honest, after the 80th minute, until Nigel Roberta was fell there was a feeling that there was a goal coming from Orlando, but it was decentized defense that was stopping it. But at some point it felt like there was a goal going to come in. There was a clearance that I believe it was uh, Junior Moreno had to make at the last second.
1: Joseph Mora. Joseph, Joseph
0: Mora made the clearance. The- yeah, he made the clearance at the last second at the goal line on a, t- on a shot attempt. So I felt that Orlando – Broke through the press. United was in the press too long. But, you know, Hernan Lasada said it himself. He felt that they should have still been able to get the result. And I somewhat agree.
1: Right. And speaking back to the press, only Orlando, I think, has seemed to successfully kind of just break DC United's press because Minnesota in their game midweek changed formations. And they didn't even bench him uh, Hector uh, Reynoso. In that game, in that game, and failed miserably to break that press because DC United was able to pressure them all ninety all game long. While with Orlando, they were able to not only break their press, they were able to break their press with guys like Daryl DK and uh, Benji Michelle, who were able to easily beat defenders to the to the to the, to the, to the balls. But you're right, they. But East United did a good job marking out Nani. Nani was ineffective the entire game, and also, also one of the other things that kind of uh, that didn't work in United's favor is they made a substitution in the 40th minute, where they subbed out Tony Alfaro, who was about to get red carded at one point, for Joseph Mora just to you know keep keep, in, uh, keep the game with 11 men on the field. So that 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 probably also had to frustrate or LoSada to some point to some degree.
0: Well yeah, like he like he mentioned he mentioned, you know, he had Jordy Reyna, who had an injury, he had to make that sub, um, and then he had uh Pariola, who we'll get to in a second, he was having cramps and he's trying to manage his minutes. So you always have to make two necessary subs and then with Tony Alfaro getting that yellow, you, you know, Barcelona had a similar situation. Do you um, a week ago, do you sub your men out even though you need him, but you feel that a red card is coming. And in this case, Ternan, I I kind of agree with the move. You, you're kind of forced to do that sub because the last thing you want to do is go to ten men. I guess the Orlando side that now that you're not marking Nani out as you would normally, if he gets some space, he's gonna knock you out. Like he's gonna score. And so I think that they were left of very little options on that front. I think that they were they were forced to make that sub and I think that I don't I agree with that the while the fans should be mad that they didn't win. I think going into this international break with the fact with let's be honest here the fact that they look good against Orlando in Orlando essentially needed extra 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 <laughs> uh, extra time to score says wonders because if you do have to play a one game series and let's say DC gets lucky and they jump above them in the standings and that game is home. I'm putting my money not because I'm a homer, but I'm putting my money on DC United, who recently, I mean, they just got a nice amount of money thanks to four new owners, including your boy Yo
1: <laughs> I tell all my bros, buy a team, rack it up. You know what? We're we're not going to do that because, quite frankly, I sound terrible rapping. Uh, The fact that Yo Gotti now is a part owner of DC United was never on my bingo board, to be honest with you. But it's nice to see that, you know, there are people out there that are willing to invest in the team. I, I think it's just pretty awesome that a rapper of the caliber of Yo Gotti or, or not caliber, more the name recognition of Yo Gotti is willing to invest in the team. And if you haven't really watched the interview with DCUnited.com, I suggest you check it out. He says he fell in love with the sport because his son, his 17 year old son's been playing in this sport since he was a kid. That's it.
0: I mean, look, I, I think with now with Yo Gotti attention, helping cover paper, the, the, this L I think heading into this international break, United needs to continue getting healthy. We have four players and, and Kevin Paredes couldn't even play this week. He picked up a knock right during warm-up. So he's he didn't get it. He didn't play. Um, so before they played Nashville, who throttled United earlier this season, I think health is gonna be a primary concern. And also I know Hernando Sala is gonna pay attention to how many minutes. Uh, Pariola got, gets with the men's national team after leaving this game with uh cramp. So, I guess we'll all keep an eye on that just as much as Hernando.
1: Yeah, he'll also keep an eye on how many minutes both Edison Flores and Jordi Reyna get with the Peruvian national team. Both of them were called up and they're playing three really crucial games. Two of them, if I'm I forget who they're playing, but yeah, they're they're gonna be they're. Their three games in South America qualifying enough said that's a pretty tough qualifier all in itself. Also junior Moreno was called up and Andy Nahar will also be playing in the CONCACAF qualifiers. So I think he'll keep an eye on all those players, but he will definitely keep an eye in particular to Paul Edison, Flores, Yordi Reina and Andy Nahar in the, in those qualifiers as and because a, they're singular players. They're really integral parts to this team.
0: Most definitely. And speaking of the qualifiers, the U.S. Men's National Team released their 27-man roster. One change was made mid-following uh, the announcement, and that was that Walker Zimmerman will replace Tim Green, who had to withdraw due to family reasons. But this is the current roster as it stands. Uh, your goalkeepers are Sean Johnson, Zach Seffin, Matt Turner. Defenders, George Bello, John Anthony Brooks, Sergino Desk, Mark McKenzie, Shaq Moore, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Walker Zimmerman replacing Tim Ream, Chris Richards, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, DeAndre Yedlin. Midfielders: Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Gianni (laughs) Gianluca Busio. Luca De La Torre tries saying both two names fast and <laughs> takes back-to-back succession. <laughs> Sebastian Leger, Weston McKinney may reappears. Uh, Yunus Musa makes his return. And Christian Rodon forwards, Quarriola, Brendan Aronson, Matthew Hoppy is back. Ricardo Pepe, after a stellar uh, first go-around, and Jesse Zardes makes his return. Is welcomed return, in my opinion. But, uh, Mario, what were your thoughts and glaring glaring uh, additions, submissions for those who are wondering? Gio Reyna and Chris Pulisic out with injury.
1: Um, For those of you wondering, oh, Weston McKenney's going to be punished in this. No, he was just punished for the Honduras game. He's promised to never do whatever he did again, and he's here. So his punishment was being let go, was being separated from the team and sent back to Italy earlier than expected. Uh, Also, you've got to ask the million-dollar question, how on earth does Sean Johnson continue to get call-ups to this national team over someone like, I don't know, Bill Hamid? Just saying, maybe even old man Brad Guzan. Both of them have been playing really well as of late. Uh, no real glaring omissions outside of that. I know people would want to say, yeah, Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna, but obviously they're injured. Um, it's nice to see that that Chris that uh, Chris Richards is getting a call up. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays in, the, in this national team. Also, calling up the uh, the Robinson and Robinson tandem of Anthony Robinson and Miles Robinson is pretty interesting. Both of them were pretty solid in the last uh, qualifying cycle, in the last round of this qualifying cycle. Kelly uh, Acosta, Sebastian Lejet, and, of course, Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams are just going to be four names that you're going to see constantly under Greg Burhalter at this point. Th- those are four guys, especially Leggett and Acosta, that are going to be the pillars of your – and Adams are going to – they're all – well, actually, you know what? All four of them are going to be your pillars on, the, on your midfield going forward into this, into this World Cup qualifier. So I'm not surprised that they're there. Uh Walker Zimmerman being called up for uh to replace Tim Ream. And you could call it a surprise that Walker Zimmerman is there, but who else are you going to call up on that position in such short notice? I think that, other than that, it's nice to see Jazzy artist back. We were clamoring. You need someone that knows to play Concacaf World Cup qualifiers. It what better than a guy that just beat Cruz Azul for a championship in the Champions Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, the rematch comes in 2023 in the New Leagues Cup. Uh, it's nice to see Timmy Way back. And and I mean, for those clamoring for Ric- that, you wanted more of Ricardo Pepe, you got it. Well,
0: the Winston McKinney thing, I didn't think that was going to be longer than a game one and two. You're going to need some leadership without Polisic in there, and. You, 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 just you Keep just an
1: don't. eye on him in Austin That's all I, that's just all I ask <laughs> Just keep an eye on him while you played Austin Against Jamaica
0: <laughs> I mean I, I think he's learned his lesson Sometimes you just, and, and It wasn't really a lesson per se It's just For those who listen To the crack podcast You know what I'm about to say U.S. soccer watches these players like Cox And in this case he got caught he could have been, you know, he could have been doing nothing but just having to pick up his Grubhub his board, for all we know. But he stayed out late. Yes, he may have done some things with a woman. We don't know. These are all allegations that we are just stemming on this guy. We don't know what happened. What we know is that he's learned his lesson, and now they need him, and he's going to provide that leadership. We'll know if, if something is still salty. If he doesn't start, then we'll really start uh, paying attention to what's going on. I thought the the additions of Buccio and Torre were, were interesting pickups. I'm always skeptical and say at least when you're playing a lower tier or you're playing on teams that I can't find regularly. Bucio just scored his first goal in Italy, so I, I congratulate for that. I've always been hesitant to jump on the bandwagon with him, and it's good to see him doing well in, in Europe. I, I, I think if he brings that confidence to the team, it's just an addition. Um because he has a lot of black people have high hopes for him. In terms of the forward line, because that's where I'm always concerned of the most, is their lack of scoring. I Josh Sargent, I just think he's he's still raw. He's still young. He he's got a lot on him in terms of pressure. He's now EPL bound, right? He's in the EPL.
1: Yes, he plays but, for Norwich in the Norwich. EPL.
0: Yeah. And so he needs minutes and he needs to, you know, recalibrate. And the guy didn't spend his offseason with Norwich. So I think that him spending more time with them and getting minutes and becoming more professional is gonna be of a better. It's gonna make him better. And I think that him his last performance clearly showed that, hey, he, he's not ready for this CONCACAF stuff. <laughs> and so uh, maybe just more more seasoning will help him out in the long run. I'm happy to see Jersey's artist back and Pariola. I think what the U.S. also lacked was just guys that, and I think it's also positionally, guys who don't mind going one-on-one with a CONCACAF defender. Um, It felt like only for only Gio Reyna had a little bit of it and only um, Christian Pulisic had a little bit of that. You need guys that aren't afraid to go one-on-one. And I think both of those guys, whether we like it or not, because Paul will sky a shot whenever he sees it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Giazzi, I mean, first touch is everything, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: don't disrespect the first touch, God, like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... I mean, those two, they will run out of people. And I think the U.S. needs to start being more bold and bringing guys like that with experience that don't care about p- playing in these areas like Panama and they're going to go, all right, it's another day in the office. Let's do this. Oh, well,
1: I forgot to mention Christian Roldan is another guy that isn't totally afraid to play cocky calf competition. I For Christ's sake, he played his brother in this World Cup qualifier. It wasn't scared. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all
0: But Brendan Erickson, I The guy's just lighting up on fire Right now and I want him to keep going So Give me more of Brendan Erickson. I never thought I'd say this when he was in the Union Now he's in Europe Give me more of that guy He's really lighting it up And I want to see more of him So I'm glad
1: he got his call Hey man, the more the merrier When it comes to the forward position <laughs> And also I never thought I'd say these words, I'm glad to see Brooklyn born for, for all of 45 minutes Eunice Moose on this lo- on this list.
0: Well as it was reported, um you know, the coaching staff were struggling between him and uh P Folk for the call-up. And I think I think they went with the person who will have the less travel problems. We do have to remember. Some of these COVID's things, still a thing, COVID, still a thing, and so there's still problems with bringing in certain players because of their countries in and now whatever. But also, I think this,
1: this was an issue with Jama- with the Jamaican national team. A lot of their players that play in the Premier League could travel in this last World Cup cycle because the three countries that they played—Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica—were all considered what they said. High risk or in the red countries where, when it came to COVID, so they weren't going to let you travel.
0: Spain just doesn't care. So, at this point, as long as you don't come back testing positive, I think. And that's what makes Eunice Moussa's situation much easier for the US. And I think it just, it's, I think you, we want to kind of see where he's at. You know, he's playing well in Spain. So, let's see what you could do with the national team, how he does with Concacaf. Here's the schedule. Uh, For those interested, Thursday, October 7th against Jamaica in Austin.
1: Matthew McConaughey will be in attendance for that game, allegedly.
0: Three days later, the U.S. will face Panama in Panama City, 6 p.m. start time. And then the U.S. will close out the window with their first visit to Columbus at Lower.com Field on October 13th as they take on Costa Rica. Mario, let's end the podcast with this. What are your expectations on points? I said five last time, and I was right.
1: No, we <laughs> so both did, actually. Gonna,
0: well, you went after me, so I'm going <laughs> to go first. What is your expectation out of these three matches?
1: Seven. I'll, I'll go with seven points. I think they'll get a draw out of Panama. Mexico played there in the uh, start of the qualifiers. We only managed to get a draw. I don't think Panama is an easy place to play in. Uh, especially considering that the crowd inside Romel Fernandez in Panama City is just gonna bring it, so I'm gonna go with seven points here. I think Jamaica will give you fits, but I think they'll they'll manage they'll manage to get the win. And, and well, Costa Rica they're, they're just a shell of themselves at this point. I I think that's three points, and Jazzy Zardes gets to score a goal with the ball rebounding off his shit in Columbus.
0: Yeah, I, I might stick with a conservative seven like you as well, but that's mainly not even because of the Panama game. I think they can actually get the result in Panama. I think where I'm concerned this is Jamaica, and we still don't know where their call-ups are and who's coming, who's not. But I feel like Jamaica, if they're able to bring the majority of their roster, they'll be a tougher opponent than Panama. And that's no disrespect to Panama. I just look at the Panama team – Of an aging veterans, kind of concerned on who's you know who's going to be who's going to play a full ninety. We may see a situation like El Salvador where it's neck and neck, both teams just end up canceling each other out, and we get a draw. But I think Panama is going to want to go for that win, and I feel confident in the U.S. using their press, but also when necessary counterattack, and we saw that with Honduras. I feel like if the US can hold on, let Panama tire itself out, we'll see that same US that came out and throttled Honduras in the second half. I think we may see a similar thing. So, my concern is more of Jamaica. I am with you. I've been on this Costa Rica's a shitstorm bandwagon for the past four years. I will continue that embarrassing shit because, and I'm cussing because Costa Rica has been downhill for the past four years, if not six years, they may not qualify. I am just saying it now. Listen to me now. Believe me later on. They-
1: they, 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 like The majority of their players have been at this trying to qualify to a World Cup since the 2010 World Cup qualifiers. They're getting up there in age. And also, weirdly enough, I've got the uh, Jamaica list up here, uh, some of the important names that they will bring to this to, to these qualifying games. Andre Blake from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Ethan Pinoch, who plays for uh, Brentford in the Premier League. So they are able to bring some of their Premier League players. Uh, Kamar Lawrence will escape Toronto for three games. <laughs> uh, other other players, Javon Watson, former MLS player. And then Mikel Antonio of West Ham United. And Shamar Nicholson, who plays in uh, in, um, in Belgium. Will also be on the, including in this list. So no Leon Bailey, who's are arguably their best player, plays for Aston Villa, so he's not on this list. But they are, they are able to bring several players from the Premier League and the Championship to, to these games. Mainly, uh, I'm guessing because they're playing the United States first.
0: And that could be it. But I, I really think it's gonna. I'm agreeing with you. I think is probably the best bet here if they come out with five as long as they're in the top three i think we will get less of the the world's coming to an end and that's what i want to well you
1: you mean you mean that same sentiment we had after the canada game
0: yeah i want to avoid that at all costs um so <laughs> let's hope for seven and that's enough for us here on the Battle on Burks FC Podcast. So before we head out, Mario, tell the people where they can learn more about you.
1: All right. If you want to figure out on what I'm working on, or you just want to see my collage of dog photos, you can follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya One. You want to see what's going on in the world at the world in large or what's going on in the DMV, you can follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter too, at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you're just old and really desperately need a physical newspaper in your hand go to your local newsstand or your local metro station and put some money in my pocket
0: and as always you can follow me on twitter at jose underscore m underscore mana for more special shout out as always to cal mcleod and protect for the intro music and subscribe as always on anchor spotify and all your audio platforms we thank you so much for tuning in to the battle and podcast and we'll talk to you soon
1: Adiós.